Welcome in to Hardcore Penn State Football. I'm Sean Kane, joined by PSU Dylan, the Instagram famous. Uh, no Corey Lasoki today. He is out sick. Uh, today, we do have a lot of news, though. Tom Allen is, um, is reportedly about to be hired by Penn State. Penn State media day for the Peach Bowl just happened on Saturday or Sunday. Media, or, um, signing day is tomorrow. And we do have some fan questions. So we have a lot to get into. We're going to talk about every recruit in the class. And really happy to have PSU Dylan on with me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hopping on with this, uh, Dylan. We uh, needed you today because Corey had the audacity to go in and get sick on us on a on a big day. But um, how's everything going with you? I can't complain. Home for break now. Finals are all wrapped up, so I'm on a little bit of relaxation time. So can't complain. Yeah, it was. You know, I loved college, but at the end of every semester, I was like, "Why do I like this so much?" So it's uh it's definitely a good time to be out. Uh, you have Christmas time coming up. And um, how long are you guys out? How, how long are you guys out for? Uh, about three weeks. I think our first day of classes next semester is January 8th. So we, we, we got a good amount of time, plenty of time to relax. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, we're here to talk about Penn State football. So let's get right into it. Um, Tom Allen. Former Indiana head coach is reportedly the next defensive coordinator at Penn State. Uh, this was a move that, I mean, I'm not going to say it was totally unexpected. Uh, Tom Allen's a guy that Picori and I had spoken about as a possibility. Um, but, you know, it was just kind of like, oh, wow. Okay, we're doing this Tom Allen thing. So what were your impressions of of the hire, Dylan? Yeah, I mean, when... I think it was Pete Thamel that broke the news that they were expected to hire him. It was, it was very random. Um, like there wasn't any, like, I think this was the, the biggest like coordinator search that Franklin, like he just did a really good job of keeping it under wraps. Like there was nothing leaking out about this. Um, I heard Jeff Collins was involved too, but that was, I guess it didn't come to fruition. Um, 
I mean, Alan was like the guy that I mentioned right at the beginning, like that's gotta be your first phone call, but I didn't think it actually come to fruition. Um, I, I think it's an awesome hire. Anytime you can get a former head coach and one that was successful at times um, on your staff to work under another head coach, I think that's a really big advantage. That's someone you can go to for um, any type of like, if you need information about anything or like a second, second thought, a second opinion on anything um, that, that's a way you can use him. And then he has those really strong recruiting ties in Florida, which is a spot Penn State already has some ties to as well. So I think him with J1 Sider and a couple of those other guys could really get some work done on the trail in Florida on top of that. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you covered a lot of, you covered a lot there uh, with uh, the style uh, is a fit with the talent we have. Like we recruited. And when we get into these recruits, you're going to see, we recruited guys to fit into Manny Diaz style defense. And that's the kind of defense that Tom Allen likes to run. He likes to blitz as well. He likes to get after the quarterback. Um, He, like you mentioned, he has experience recruiting in florida he's obviously experienced recruiting in the midwest so he's familiar with the with the uh recruiting area he knows the big 10 he he has studied michigan he has studied ohio state he is he's been in the big 10 east so he is very familiar with the teams pet state will be playing not not on a yearly basis anymore but a semi but but on a semi-yearly basis so i like the hire i think it's a good hire um, you know, when we talked about it on the pod, I wasn't jumping up and down demanding we hire Tom Allen, but I said, I think I'd be happy with this. And overall, I am. I think it's a good hire. Um, and I think he's going to be a fit in the in the in the room too, uh, in the coach's room. And I think that's. I think that's something that Franklin really wanted from both of these coordinators was guys that are going to fit the culture. Because from what Franklin has insinuated and what reporters have said, it doesn't seem like Mike Yurcich was ever fit in Penn State's uh, coach's room from a, from a personality perspective. Yeah, when it comes to, I think, finding the right, um, the right like, personality fit, I've never like, had a doubt with Franklin. I mean, he's a psychology major. He's a personality guy. Like, that's his thing, you know, so. I, from a personality fit, I've never worried about like him going out and finding someone that would fit in within the program. Yeah, yeah, and you kind of contrast that with uh, with with Yersich. Yersich was really the, he was kind of an anomaly with yeah. not being able to fit into what they did, and I think that's part of why he doesn't have a job right now. Um, part of it maybe not the whole thing but i think that's part of it and i think it's probably the reason he was fired mid-season um so yeah tom allen i think we we're both very good with it i know Corey is 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 good with it as well uh tom he loves tom allen um as a person um as do i i think he's gonna I, I think he's going to be a, a good uh continuation of what manny has brought here and obviously uh, what was brought up as well is who wasn't hired. And the first guy on that list was Anthony Poindexter. And it appears that Franklin prioritized being a guy who's called plays before and been a head coach before. It seems like he had priori- he prioritized that over um, what Anthony Poindexter would bring to the table. 
Yeah, I mean, and Dex is still on the coaching staff. That's what people are seem seem to be forgetting. Like it's like we had to choose one or the other. They have both right now. I feel like if he did have an opportunity to go somewhere and be a head coach elsewhere, and say would also probably be in position to you know give him a raise and keep him around at least for another year or two. So I I don't think it had to be one or the other. Like they have both, and we'll we'll see how it goes because he might still have uh, CODC um, a CODC title. I think he'll still be involved with a. To a to a pretty big extent with the defense. So. Yeah, no question. I think he has to be. And uh, do you think this was Franklin's plan A? Do you think Tom Allen was? I don't know if he had one name personally. Like I said, it was like under wraps. I couldn't get much on it. But I don't know if he had one particular name that was plan A. But I think if you were to tier this out with the guys they were looking into, I would say Tom Allen was probably in that first tier of names that they were looking at. Fair enough, fair enough. I kind of think uh, very similar. We got a question here from Eli. What kind of schemes are we going to see on both sides of the ball with the new coordinators? Yeah, we just got a um, question, fair question from Eli about what kind of schemes we're going to see with new coordinators. Uh, Dylan, you want to take that first? Uh, yeah, I'll go with Tom Allen. He runs a four-two-five um, more than anything else, so... The main difference, if that does carry over to Penn State, is you'll see two linebackers on the field instead of three. Um, what that means for particular guys on the roster, I'm not sure, but I'm sure they'll hash all of that out. And I'm sure they'll still run 4-3 as well, but um, I think we will see some 4-2-5. He likes to blitz the linebackers a lot, which is something Manny didn't do quite as much as probably Tom Allen will. So I think we could see a guy like Abdul Carter um, take a, a heavier role in the in the blitzing next year in particular, getting after the quarterback. Um, he also has, I've, I'm blanking on the name right now, but he has like a hybrid safety linebacker role that plays in his defense, something that a guy like KJ Winston, Dakar Nelson, like a bigger safety um, would be down around the line of scrimmage in the box more often than usual. Yeah, 100%. And you have to wonder too, does this appeal to a guy like Daquan Hardy possibly coming back? Um, I, I would love to have Daquan Hardy back. I think he's the perfect nickel cornerback. So seems like he'd be a fit there. And then uh Kodal Nicky, um, you know, it's gonna be uh, one of the things that he utilized a lot was two quarterbacks. And it was um, and we're gonna get into what he said at Media Day. Um, he described his offense as a blizzard from Dairy Queen. So there's the base, and then you put in Oreos or um, Reese's or whatever, and there's a lot that he does. Uh, he, he, you know, kind of describes his offense as attacking, and that's, and just, and, um, you know, he had two backs last year go for over 1,000 yards. So they're going to prioritize the run game, and they're going to get their athletes in space and uh let them let them cook a little bit so and i think that's part of the you know that's what we were missing a lot this year so i think that's going to be a big uh a big change from this past year and i totally agree with you with 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 uh uh the tom allen point but uh yeah so i think we could get right into media day if you're good with that yeah let's do it all right so media day was good um it it's there was a lot of a uh, lot of good information. Uh, I think Curtis Jacobs, I, I believe it was Curtis Jacobs, kind of had the quote immediately, and he said, "Captain's play." 
referring to the bowl game. So Olu seems to be back. I don't think he officially said for the bowl game, not not next year. Uh, Olu seems to be playing in the bowl game, which is obviously great news. Uh, Curtis Jacobs, Caden Wallace, Tyler Warren, uh, Theo Johnson, who I already said he's he's in. Uh, they're all going to play in the bowl game. Notably, uh, Kalen King and Johnny Dixon were both um, were both not at media day, and they both didn't practice. So maybe that's an indication they aren't playing, but they haven't said anything yet. So I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from media day. Also, K. Chad Allen said he's coming back next year for anybody who was nervous about that. Yeah, Olu should be playing, um, I believe, limited reps. He'll be on a pitch count for the game. And um, outside of Johnny Dixon and then Chop, I think Kalen will probably be the only other opt-out, which unfortunately is two in one position room at corner with Johnny and Kalen. But um, it will be interesting to see some of those young guys, see what they can do with the opportunity. Cam Miller, Zion Tracy. I think Zion Tracy is a name that a lot of people have not um, have not paid enough attention to. I think he's kind of penciled in to be a starter next year, even with a possible portal 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 addition. Excuse me. Um, that's a guy that I know the staff was confident. If someone were to go down, God forbid, with an injury this year, they would have been comfortable putting him in there and letting him um, letting him get a lot more run this year. So he was he was further along than than a lot of people would have. Uh, thought this year so I, I think that'll be a future future star star contributor something like that on this defense next year yeah yeah Tracy I think he, he made a few big plays on special teams this year so he's played um he just uh, and I believe he burnt his red shirt I don't know that for sure but I believe he did so he he's been there uh but we just haven't seen a ton of him yet and I agree with you. I, I thought last year when we uh, he, he was we kind of took a flyer on him a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I know he really performed well at a camp and Penn State liked him enough that they offered him a scholarship. So, um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think he's going to I think he's going to be a player. Uh, I think Johnny Dixon and Kalen King should play and not just because I'm a Penn State fan and I just think it could really help their stock to play against a team that has a good passing attack. And Kalen King and Johnny Dixon really didn't get the chance to play too many teams with good passing attacks. They played Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan threw the ball like eight or nine times. And and they played Ohio State. And let's be real, Kalen King did not play well that day. So I just think they would have had an opportunity to build their stock if they if they decided to play but yeah i mean it's definitely a good opportunity for someone like them but it is also like the way i look at it everyone has their own situation and stuff going on around (laughs) them i I don't know anything about either of them but i've never taken those um decisions like personally i know that's not what you're saying but a lot of people do get genuinely upset about people opting out i mean you just never know what these guys have going on around them or if they just have a nagging injury, maybe anything going on like that. But I mean, they'll, they'll be okay without him, but I definitely would have liked to see both those guys play. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, like chop, I thought it made a lot of sense for him not to play because I, from what it looked like he had a concussion against Ohio state and you do not want two concussions within a couple months of each other. It's just very, very bad for your stock. And he's going to be a top 10 pick. I, I don't think he has anything left to prove. Uh, but just from a football standpoint, I just thought that King and Dixon had an opportunity to put more on film. But and, and who knows? Maybe they play. <laughs> no, nobody really knows. Maybe 
Uh, I know there's um, it's uh, flu season. There's stuff going all around, especially a college campus. So you never know what the problem was. Um, yeah. And then Kotal Nicky, I mean, he was electric. So uh, t- like I said, described his offense as like a Dairy Queen blizzard. Uh, had a funny story about a um, about being a quote unquote lifelong Penn State fan. I guess he played hockey growing up, and they, um, I think his mom got him a hockey helmet, and it was white with a blue stripe, blue stripe down the middle. And he said him and his brothers used to like run into trees head first with it and stuff. So it was a funny story. Um, and he just he seemed. He definitely seemed to win the press conference. What does that mean? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, there have been so many coaches that they said, oh, this guy won the press conference, and then doesn't matter. He, he sucks. Uh, and I'm not saying he's going to suck, but... And then there have been so many pres- so many coaches that people were like, he didn't win the press conference. And they ended up being great coaches. So it doesn't really mean anything, but I just... I think his personality is going to vibe well with the staff. And... He's going to be a good culture fit for them. Yeah, I think you can take away the personality thing with him, like fitting right in with the staff and also like his confidence and comfort, like the level of comfortable comfortability. I I don't know the word for that, but um, he just seemed really comfortable um, already in the blue and white. Like it seems like it it feels like it's a good fit. So I'm I'm definitely excited to see what he can he can come up with next year. for The offense. Yeah, me too. And, you know, like. One of the things that when your such got fired, I would say to Corey that I was looking for in the new offensive coordinator was somebody who could give Drew Aller and Nick Singleton a swagger. Because it just seemed like that there was no swagger to the offense this year. Like there was no it it, it just seemed like they not not going through the motions, but there was just no it just seemed lifeless a lot. And I think Kotelnicki, at the very least, is going to be able to do that. Kind of like what Joe Moorhead did in 2016 and 17 um, with with his personality. I see a lot of Jobo in Kotelnicki as far as personalities go. Yeah, and I think a big part of that, the confidence and swagger, I think can be stringing together plays and getting a good flow going with the offense, which is something Yersich struggled quite a bit with this season. It was yep. just really spotty and patchy, and it was that they just couldn't string any big plays together. I mean, they couldn't get one big play to begin with in most of the games. So, um, I, I definitely think Kotelnicki will help us in that department for sure. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of, like you said, leaning into what works. There'd be a lot of, like I just think I always think back to the Michigan game early in the game. We go across the middle to the tight end, and we hit Warren for like a twenty-yard gain, and, and then we just stopped doing that, and it was like. Mm-hmm. No, that's it. <laughs> like, that's what we do well. And there was so much of just going away from things we did well. And then we would just run the same three plays to the flat over and over again. And it was like, no, like, <laughs> we're not doing anything. So I think that's going to be a big difference. I hope it's going to be a big difference in what Kotelnicki brings and uh, then what Yersich brought. And God, we already saw it in the Michigan State game. Like, there was a huge difference in play calling from from what we saw uh, earlier in the year. Like, you think about Cider and Howell and um, 
them calling outside zone and wide zone. And I knew that, that a lot of the stuff that they ran um, for the bloggy point of this out was stuff that was run at Oklahoma State. Like it was your such as stuff, but he just never called it. It was just puzzling to me. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of um, there wasn't a lot of zone runs to begin with this year. Um, there wasn't a lot of getting Nick Singleton in space. There wasn't a lot of Amari Evans to begin with, which we already nope. both we both feel uh, pretty pretty hurt about that one because that's our guy. But I don't know. I I don't. I genuinely don't know what Yersich was thinking in some of those games. But I mean. I, I, we're moving on, so it's okay. We're on to Cincinnati, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> on Ole Miss, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's really what I got out of um, what I got out of um, media day. Franklin also said he looked like shit. I thought that was funny, um, <laughs> but yeah, all right. So if you want, I think we're ready to get into recruits now. Yep, let's do it. All right, so. This is the recruiting show, uh, and signing day is tomorrow. Early signing day is tomorrow. Official signing day is in February. And Penn State seems to have what's the complete class. Uh, There's no drama tomorrow uh, for Penn State. No expected drama for Penn State tomorrow. It seems like our guys are pretty locked in. Um, Like last year, Conrad Hussey, I know, decommitted, I believe, the night before early signing day. None of that is expected tomorrow. So I feel pretty good about this class, Dylan. Uh, it's top It's top 15 right now, number 14, according to 24-7 sports. And yeah, I got to say, I, there, there's a lot here that I like. Yeah, it's a very complete class. And I know people like drama, but not um, not all drama is good to begin with. So I don't think we'll see any tomorrow. I think all... I think it's 24 commits. I think they're all going to sign tomorrow, like early as well. So they don't want to drag it on any longer. Um, sorry, not tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, the week's week's going faster than I can handle, apparently. But um, yeah, it's uh, n- not not going to be too much going on. Just guys signing, and I I don't think they'll flip anyone either. Not not on Wednesday, but maybe by February they'll have a couple new names that they'll be working on. Yeah, yeah, and that tends to be what happens. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, Venga Aone uh, uh, didn't flip. He uh, just somebody we got in with late last mm-hmm. year was Chimney Chimney Ono. So yeah, you always have that, and I'm sure there'll be guys that Franklin is trying to get in late, some late bloomers, if you will. But we have a lot of guys to get into, so let's just do it. Um, let's start right at the top. Uh, Luke Reynolds. I mean, um, the guy, he really seems Mike Kosicki-like to me. Like, just his athleticism, his willingness to be a receiver. He's got John, a... start that over. I want to get that recorded. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, just gonna... so I think the guy I want to start with is Luke Reynolds. Um, like, a, uh, very Mike Kosicki-like. Uh, Great receiver. You just see the athleticism jump off the screen at, at you when you watch him. And he's got he's got the traits to develop into being a good blocker. Didn't do a ton of it in high school, but I really, really like this kid's game. And there's a reason he's a five-star. Kudos to the staff for getting after him early. Yeah, when he committed, he was 
uh, like an 86 on 24-7 sports, which for those who don't know is like a middling three-star. It's like it's not even like a high three-star. That's kind of right around that top 1,000, 800 to 1,000 guy. Um, and he's right now top 30 on most recruiting sites. So that's pretty insane. He's the number one tight end, I believe, on 24-7. Um, at, on at least one recruiting site, he's the number one tight end as well. So that was a great evaluation by the staff. Um, I think he's a guy who Coddle Nicky could have some fun with next year. Um, with, like you said, his athleticism, he has some good speed for his size as well. He's almost six foot five. I think he's about 220 pounds. So um, I could definitely see the Gesicki comparison. He definitely needs to put a little bit of weight on. But until then, I think that's still a guy you can't really like keep off the field in entirety. So maybe split him out wide, put him in the slot and run, run seams with him. Like, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity with him, so I'm definitely excited about him. Do you think he could play next year? I do. Even with the loaded tight end room, I think he'll I, – I don't know if that's a guy you can keep off the field. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and you think about, like, the way him and Raplier are going to complement each other, too, because Raplier is – uh, more of a not not a total blocker because he could he could catch the ball, but I just think they're going to complement each other extremely extremely well. Yeah, they're pretty hefty comparisons, but that's pretty much Fryermuth and Gasicki out there. Um, yeah, and in, in a clone form, I guess. Yeah, because that last year when we were talking about last year's class, I was like, that plays a lot like Fryermuth, <laughs> like just mm-hmm. a complete tight end who was really ready out of the box. Now we didn't really need him this year because we had so many good tight ends, but. In 2018, we did need Fryermuth because we were after Mike left. There, there wasn't a whole lot behind them. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then we'll get into Quentin Martin. Um, I really love his versatility. His skills as a receiver really jump out to me. Um, and when I say receiver and new guy, Penn State fans' ears, their their eyes are gonna light up. Uh. He's a guy that I could see contributing next year because of his receiving skills. And uh, Corey and I have talked about, and I don't, I don't think this will happen necessarily. Maybe he starts as a receiver. Maybe he starts his career as a receiver. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm sure he's going to. That that's at least going to help him maybe get some time next year because he's a he's a hell of a player. Yeah, what the staff usually does with guys, especially on offense who have positional like versatility, they'll pretty much sit them down and ask them what they want to play first, and they'll give them that freshman year to kind of sort it out, feel it out. And um, I think with this one, though, they might nudge him a little bit and say, hey, we could use some help at receiver, might be able to get you on the field a little bit more. Um, I, I think it is a real possibility he plays at least um, a portion of his snaps at receiver, and he's going to play snaps. That's another guy that they can't keep off the field. Um, and if they just point to that running back room and say, you might be uh, waiting a little bit behind that. Do you want to like get some reps in practice at receiver, see how it feels? I mean, he's played receiver at Bell Vernon, so um, that's not his primary position, but he has some experience with it. So I definitely think it's a possibility, and that's another guy that I'm really excited to see in the Kotelnicki offense. Yeah, this guy, this guy seems like a great fit in that offense. Just like you said, versatility, getting guys – in a position to succeed. Um, and if you put this guy in a position to succeed, he's gonna, he's gonna go off. So uh, mm-hmm. really, really, I was super stoked when we got him last year, uh, not last year, uh, this year, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, next guy, the QB, Ethan Grunkmeyer. Um, I really, 
you know, he's a Brad Mandler disciple uh, who also worked with Drew Aller, another Ohio kid. Um, you know, Penn State, another guy we got on kind of early uh, before he blew up. And then he, you just saw him gradually shoot up the recruiting, uh, the, the recruiting um, rankings. And he just, his ability to, and this is something I saw with Drew too in high school, keeping his eyes downfield, comfortable. Uh, I think he's actually maybe even a little more comfortable running with the ball than Drew was in high school. So I he throws a pretty pass, just seemed to improve every single year. I I think this guy is, and I, I want to get your take on this, I think he has a chance to be the backup as soon as next year. I think there's a possibility. He does need to add a little bit of weight. He's about 200 right now at most. Um, but I mean that that sounds like a pretty pretty heavy quarterback. But he's six two and a half, almost six three now. So he he needs to fill out his frame a little bit. But he definitely has the skills to come in and compete right away, at least for that backup job. Um, he's definitely a little more mobile than Drew. He's a little bit smaller too, so that kind of plays hand in hand. But um, yeah, that's another quarterback I'm really excited about. When you start stacking quarterback prospects like that, that's um, that's definitely a recipe for success. So, yeah, and that's going to be the one thing that I'm going to miss from Mike Yersich because he could recruit, he could recruit the quarterback position. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. Um, and also some some news from Media Day, um, the quarterback coach. We really aren't going to have one. It's going to be a combination of Danny O'Brien, Andy Kotelnicki, and James Franklin. So I, I think Kotelnicki framed it as they're taking an NFL approach to the quarterback room. So just something that I never really saw before. And reading between the lines, I would think Danny O'Brien will probably be the guy who works the most with them. Yeah, I mean, he worked with the quarterbacks this year as well. I, I think right. he'll, he'll, have, he'll definitely have his hand in there. Um, He's a rising star in the coaching world, maybe not on a coordinator level yet, but he's definitely uh, a really young, like impressive mind. He has the the football experience playing football. He played at Wisconsin, didn't he? Um, I think he played at Maryland. Maryland, and he coached at Wisconsin? I think that's what happened. He may have transferred. He was at Wisconsin doing something there. Yeah, he he was yeah. he was a Badger at some point. <laughs> but he has uh, experience in the Big Ten as well, so definitely, uh, definitely a rising name in the coaching world. So. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, and James Franklin loves him. So, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, next guy, my personal favorite in this recruiting class, uh, Liam Andrews. Uh, this dude's a baller. I, he like when I watch when I watch his highlights, he could play both sides of the ball at a very very high level. I think he could be a great offensive lineman, but Penn State's gonna at least start him on the defensive line, and. It just the way he plays, there's a nastiness to him that just drips off the screen. I love this kid. I think he's going to be awesome. Yeah, he's he's definitely one of my favorites in the class as well. Um, he did start out the process when he was beginning to be heavily recruited as an offensive lineman, and he kind of figured out that he liked defense better. And I believe Wisconsin, it's a heavy Wisconsin themed podcast, apparently. Um, yeah, they were a like lot of guys first- from there. Yeah, they were the first to like really jump on him as a defensive lineman. Um, so he was trending that way a little bit. He was trending Florida, Penn State faded, and then like all of a sudden they kind of emerged after I think it was a junior day visit or something. Um, 
but they got right back into it and they emerged as one of the top schools and eventually ended up landing them. I think South Carolina was in it late. Um, it was yeah. all over the place, but Penn State ended up with their guy and I think he could be a contributor on either side of the ball. It seems like he'll be a defensive tackle though, which um, I'm sure none of the viewers are upset about bringing in a potentially elite defensive tackle. So he's got a six foot five frame. If you can get him up to about 290, 300 and you can still still move with that speed and agility, then that, that could be a potentially elite defensive lineman. So it's very exciting. Yeah, that's pretty scary to think about, um, you know, putting that much weight on. And yeah, I just, he's got stud written all over him. Uh, yeah. Next guy, uh, the first guy, first commit in this class, Cooper Cousins. Um, just seems like the prototypical center. I see a lot of juice Scruggs in this kid. Uh, you know, got that, Got that um, athleticism combined with, um, you know, combined with the ability to just pop you in the mouth. Um, I love having a center like that. I, I think center is such a undervalued position. Like everybody will talk about left tackle. Left tackle is uh, one of the five most important positions on, on in football, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But like having a center and having that guy in front of you that just uh, is able to make the checks at the line and then leads the way. I mean, I think we got our guy. I think this guy's going to be a multi-year starter here. Yeah, like you said, Juice Scruggs, but he's 6'6", 320. So, Frank yeah. was talking about getting bigger on the lines. That's how you do it. Um, he'll definitely start at center. I don't know if he'll stick there, but he definitely has the potential to. That seems like the most likely landing spot for him. Um, yeah, like you said as well, first to commit in the class. He's a leader. That's, again, the type of guy that you want um, in the center of your offensive line that's going to – um, get out there and talk some crap, but also back it up. So I, yeah, I'd, I'm really excited for him as well. He should probably be a little higher in the rankings as well. Um, I, I know he, he was slipping slowly a little bit, like guys moving above him that were getting bumped up, and he was just slowly slipping down. And um, I think a couple of those recruiting sites took took note of that, and they bumped him back up. So I, I think he's a fringe top hundred guy. He's he's uh, very athletic for his size. He can move. So I. That's another guy I could see contributing early as well. With that center position opening up next year, um, I know it's hard to get in early on the line, but with uh, Hunter Norzad leaving, I think he could compete for that starting job. That's how polished he is right now. So that's definitely really exciting. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah, I I just think that kid is going to, like you said, when you look for leadership ability in your center, like, and he's got that. He was the first guy in. and. Yeah, I think he's going to start for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, next guy I want to mention, John Mitchell um, out of Florida. Uh, we're also going to talk about his uh, teammate in a little bit. Um, I just see that blend of athleticism and physicality that you'd love to have in a cornerback. I think in order to play corner in the Big Ten, you got to be physical. And that's what this kid's going to, I think that's, that's what this guy is going to bring here. Uh, good size. I, I, I loved his film. And then the way him and Belgrave Shorter just worked people in Florida. I mean, mm-hmm. I, imagine being a high school quarterback having to go up against that guy. I believe they I also have that a, defense. They have a 2025 safety. That's a, I think he's a top hundred kid overall also in their secondary. So that's, yeah. Um, Mandarin is loaded in their secondary for a high school. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah, I and then his I really wanted his brother in the portal too. He ended up going to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 
that sucked. And then there was, uh, I think there was a little bit of concern that, oh, is John going to follow him? And nah, he never wavered. So he's coming here. He's going to, he's expected to sign tomorrow. Uh, another guy I want to talk about, and this is one of the most intriguing prospects to me, uh, Garrett Sexton. Um, he's got, he's still raw. He's obviously got to put on weight. He's only about 260, 24-7 uh, sports says 265, uh, but a big kid. And I think he's got potential through the roof. Yeah, I think he's in, I think he's a bit north of 270 now. So he is putting on weight. Um, I mean, if he can get in there at 270 with his frame, that's, they'll, they'll take care of the rest. But he's, uh, like you said, really raw. I think he just started at offensive tackles junior year of high school. So um, he has a lot of technique to learn, but that's Troutwine's thing. Like he can, he can get him right with the technique. Um, I think he's, He's six six and a half, I believe, to be exact. But he's right around there, that six seven range. So he can fill out and come along uh, with the technique and footwork. Then he could definitely be a starter down the line. I think he has a couple years um, to kind of sit in the system, like weight train, all that. But uh, eventually, down the line, he definitely has the look of a, a elite Big Ten offensive tackle. Yeah, and I mean, Troutwine has the cachet now to say that. Like, he could say, look, I just coached a guy who's going to be a top five, ten pick. And look at how I, how Caden Wallace improved under me. Look at, I got you Scruggs drafted in the second round. So he's got that cachet to be able to go into living rooms now and say that. Um, yeah, and Olu was a high three-star on most recruiting sites out of high school. Right. Yeah. That like Adds to how impressive that was. Yeah, like, people forget that, too. Like, Olu was not I, I don't want to say an afterthought but like no like he wasn't one of the crown jewels of his recruiting class he just wasn't but he just worked his tail off and was developed and i mean he was best offensive lineman i've seen in a long long time at penn state so yeah um being able to go into go into living rooms now and say that it's going to be it's going to be huge for Troutwine. um next guy is probably the most unknown uh, but talented T.A. Cunningham uh, has had had a very interesting high school career, played at multiple schools. Um, he moves really, really well for someone his size. I mean, he he can move sideline to sideline, uh, but there's still a lot of unknown. Like He didn't play a ton of football in high school, if that makes sense for a guy that was recruited as heavily as he was. Yeah, I mean, you know what everyone says: if you're gonna miss, miss, miss big or miss fast. So he's uh, he's definitely falls into that big category. He's almost six seven himself. So um, and I think they want to use him at D tackle. So that's another one that if you can fill out that frame to go along with that six six and a half, um, that's 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 a big guy in the middle. Oof. So he uh, he I would say in this class has the widest range from floor to ceiling, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I think if he hits, they, they'll hit really big with him. He definitely has a ton of potential. He's, he's really twitchy for his size. He can move for his size. Um, but again, like you said, he just hasn't played a ton of football. He had some unfortunate circumstances develop. But um, I'd, And again, that's not like, just to clarify, like character issues, anything like that. He's, he's a great guy. I've talked to him a little bit. He's a really nice kid. So I, I think he'll fit in well at Penn State. And if, he's, uh, if he takes, takes well to the football surrounded by nothing else around you and doesn't go insane then he could uh develop into a really good d lineman 
Yeah, yeah. And like you think about Dion Barnes, kind of a similar developing story to Troutline. Um, every single defensive lineman this year got better mm-hmm. from 2022. And even our best guys got better. So if Dion Barnes could, like, this seems like the type of guy that Dion Barnes can really take under his wing and mold and can make him into something really special. And if he could do that, that's going to speak volumes to recruits down the line. And I mean, I think Dion Barnes is a star. I think he's a stud in the make. I think he's, I think he's going to be, he has potential to be a head coach someday if he wants that. Um, and a guy like T.A. Cunningham could go a long way for him and and for Penn State, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, next guy we're going to talk about, uh, Jalen Harvey. What a, what a recruitment. Um, he was supposed to go to USC, then he was supposed to go to Maryland. But really, I always felt like Penn State was going to end up with him. Um, it was just weird the way it all went. and then. You know, what kind of got lost a little bit was this guy's a really good football player. Like his quickness off the edge just just jumps off the screen at you. And um, uh, another guy that I think that Dion Barnes has brought in and I think he could he I think he could develop into something really, really special here. Yeah, it's another really, really easy comparison to make because he came from the same high school, but Chop Robinson, um, they yeah. both have really good twitch. They're both a little bit undersized for a Big Ten defensive end. I mean, Chop was 6'3", Jalen's, I think, a hair over 6'2", um, but he's already about 250 pounds, so he's definitely uh, killed out and ready to go if they need him early, which they won't, but he, he might be able to play early, uh, come in and contribute a little bit next year, maybe a little bit like Jameel Lyons did this year. Um, but he's he's another guy I'm really excited to see see play. Man, you brought up Jamil Lyons too, and I know he's not in this class, but that guy's gonna be that he's gonna be a player. There's I a, think it was a lot of sorry. There's a lot of young guys on this defense that I think are gonna be absolute stars. KJ Winston. I mean, we we could go on for probably 30 seconds just rattling off guys. Oh, I think KJ Winston is a star. Like, yeah, I think he's he's him already. He showed me like he's he didn't. It felt like he didn't have a bad moment all season. <laughs> I mean, and how many guys that are getting their real start at in football could you say that about? But uh yeah, speaking of safeties, uh next guy, Vabu Torre. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Um loves to hit. Uh that was the first thing that really uh jumped off to me that his physicality. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Jalen Reed. I don't know if you get the same feel. I don't know if you have the same uh, feel for that, but I his physicality just really, really shows uh, when you watch him. Yeah, I could definitely see that comparison. I mean, um, physicality is definitely his number one trait. He has good speed to go with it. Um, his size is not lacking. I believe he's about six foot, six one. Um, I think he's actually playing in the U.S. Army Bowl right now. So, mm. so that's another one. We got a lot of. Uh, um, those bowl game, not bowl game, but the army bowl and the, uh, the other one slipping my under mind. Armor. Under yeah, armor. Yeah, under armor. Yeah. We got probably six or eight guys in those bowls. So it's pretty exciting too. Yeah. Yeah. When you, um, when you're, when you're watching those games and you keep saying, Oh, that's a guy going to Penn state. Oh, that's a guy going to Penn state. Usually your program's doing pretty well. So, mm-hmm. and that's, that's kind of where we're at. We just had back back 10 win season so 
I think things are going pretty well. Not well enough, but pretty well. <laughs> They're in the, the right direction, I'd, I would say. I'd say so, too. I'd say so, too. It's uh, just You just want to get is, over the hump. This is very random, but Dante Moore just committed to Oregon. It's oh. very interesting. I was going to, you know, this is how college football is changing. I was going to say, oh, we don't have to worry about him. No, we do. <laughs> yep, yep, we do. Because... At least it's not Ohio State. I'm just like crossing off the list of every elite quarterback that commits to a school not named Ohio State. I really hope they just stick with the. Uh... We're very off topic here now, but I hope they just stick no, with okay. Brown next year. Yeah, Corey and I go off topic all the time. Um, yeah. but um, and then I really don't want him to go to Michigan either because mm-hmm. I mean, Michigan runs the conference now. As long as Harbaugh's there, although I think Harbaugh's days are numbered at Michigan. I I think he's go in the nfl after this year really i do i do I, I think he's like i think all that talk about an extension i think michigan would probably want to extend him but i think he's gone it is interesting how much that's uh popped up as a rumor and it never got done to this point so right we'll yeah see. i think it's because one side's leaking it hoping that it happens but yeah. that's just kind of my inference mm-hmm. um Anyway, uh, let's talk about Anthony Specca. So when I see him, I just kind of think throwback Big Ten linebacker, like kind of, and, and I don't mean that derisively or anything, like just really good in the box, um, physical, uh, comes from a very, very uh, decorated high school uh, that's produced a lot of, um, a lot of good prospects. Um, and I really liked, I, I liked what I saw. On, on tape from him yeah i mean that's another guy like cooper cousins he just committed so early in the class yeah. i think he was one of the first two or three guys to commit so um just not really talked about enough in my opinion but yeah he'll be a box guy i think he'll be uh, another guy that could start a year or two at penn state so um I, that's that's the main thing about this class everyone seems to have um with the exception of a few maybe like it it just seems like at their very worst, they'll be a starter for a year or like a contributor like they have now with the safeties, like four guys who get starting reps. I just, everyone in this class seems like they're going to make some sort of contribution. And that's what you want, right? Like one of the things that really um, showed up the last two years is depth. Mm-hmm. And it's depth that we haven't seen at Penn State probably since the mid-90s. So just a bunch of guys you could count on. I mean, there were years where you couldn't count on the starters and those days for now are over. So um, that's definitely a big plus to have. Um, uh, then I have Donovan Harbor and I, I have one word to describe him a unit. Um, he was uh, Corey Smith uh, who we're going to talk about uh, his teammate um, led the way for him. Uh, he's already he already seems to have the size to play. I mean, he's already over 320 pounds, and um, I'm sure it's not all the weight's good, uh, but that's okay. They could definitely work with that and turn some of that bad weight into good weight. And all I have is bad weight, so I'm not really one to talk. Um, and he's he's um I he's one of those guys too. I just I think he's he's got the potential he's got the body to to really do something here yeah i i think when he committed he was around 340 or 350 so he has dropped some oh, wow. weight um yeah he's down around 320 right now so 
that was the main uh the main i don't want to say concern but that was the main thing with him that the staff was really looking for for him to come in a little bit trimmed down so they could work with um a little bit a little bit lighter donovan harbor but um he definitely does have a lot of good weight he has a lot of strength you can see in his film so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah he'll he'll be a good guy on the interior for us for sure yeah and he's trending in the right direction uh so let's talk about his teammate now Corey smith um you know explosive runner like when i watch him he's just one of those guys that it doesn't even look like he's running that fast until you watch the other guys and they all look like they're walking compared to him so i mean his speed just jumps off the screen at you um and um yeah but i i believe he's uh yeah 511 170 so he's gonna have to put a little bit of weight on not a not a ton, but he's he's gonna have to put some weight on, and then you just hope he can keep that speed with it. Yeah, that's another guy that Kotelnicki can definitely play around with in his offensive, uh, creative offensive schemes. Get that guy in open space, and he'll he'll make a play for you. He has really good speed, like you said, really good vision, agility. Um, I that's another guy. Maybe if you're struggling a little bit in the slot, maybe you could throw him in the slot as a receiver. Um, but obviously that's kind of desperation mode, but. I just just wanted to point out. I think he could play receiver. Like he has that um, that level of athleticism and versatility. So, oh, how about that? <laughs> so, we have two guys that are running backs that could play receiver. So, gonna be something for James Franklin, Marquise Higgins, and Andy Kotelnicki to think about for sure. I think at the very least, you could get them involved in the pass game as as running backs on screens or um, at flat routes, anything like that. So. Yeah, and that's another thing, like, from this season that Franklin would bring up a lot in press conferences. He would bring up that, like, Nick Singleton's had a good year as a receiver. Like, mm-hmm. people don't talk about that as much. And and he did struggle as a running back at times, but he did. But that's part of your such Utilize that. Utilize what he did improve on and get him in the open field. But like you said, we're out of Cincinnati. So <laughs> we're going to forget about that. <laughs> um. So let's start talking about the receivers. Uh, Peter Gonzalez. I really, really like this kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, has the size. Uh, he's almost 6'3", I believe. Um, not as highly rated, uh, partly because he got hurt midway through his junior year. And I just think that hurt him in his rankings. But he had a very good senior year. And um, I think Franklin wanted to make, sh- if I remember correctly, Franklin wanted to make sure that his speed still checked out uh, over the summer. It did. Uh, and then he got what was called a committable offer. And um, he he committed. So Pitt legacy guy, too. So always nice to steal one from them. Yeah. No, that's kind of uh, similar to what we were talking about with Zion Tracy. He came in and really proved himself in a camp, and that's when they really decided to give him the green light. Um, I d- this is a guy I genuinely don't understand his ranking on. Maybe I'm looking through blue and white shades, but he's a shade under 6'3". He's 200 pounds. He can move. Um, he catches the ball well in traffic. He can uh, he can move through traffic with the ball. He can you know he has great vision. Um, I, he was productive this year coming off of his injury. Um, I, I don't really get it, but the ranking doesn't matter as soon as you step onto a college football field. So uh, yeah, I definitely think that's that's another one that could. Maybe contribute early. I mean, we'll we'll see how he develops at Penn State, but I at some point he'll be a starter on this offense. I'm pretty confident in that. 
why I think he's going to be a starter. Oh. Um, I can see it, though. Like I said, I really, really like this kid, and I, I'm right there with you. I don't know. I, I guess it was due to injury, but don't other guys get hurt through junior year? I, I don't know why his I, – I don't get that. But, like, ask Olu Fashion how important high school <laughs> recruiting rankings are. Um, it's just in general, like, what's the difference between, like, the 205th guy in the country and the 230th guy? Like, yeah, I mean, it, it's just funny the way it all shakes out, you know. I think the rankings do matter, but I mean, they de- they absolutely do. matter if you look into the statistics, but only to an extent. Like some people take them um, with a little too much uh, weight attached to it. I guess you need to take it with a grain of salt. But um, I mean, there's always outliers. There's going to be a zero star or a two star, like Justin Jefferson, that gets drafted and ends up being a star in the NFL. And there's also going to be five stars that are bust. But I think with that. Uh, that uh, argument, you can put it to bed pretty quickly if you just look at the stats, the percentages of guys that are five, four, three stars that get drafted. It kind of just goes from like 60% five stars to like 20% of uh, four stars to I think it's 5% of three stars or something. But I, it it doesn't matter. Um, that's a conversation for another time as well. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean obviously recruiting matters like look at the teams that recruit the best georgia bama ohio state look at the teams that are always up there georgia Mm -hmm. ohio state bama yeah i mean they do matter but you do have guys here and there that are exceptions to the rules so yeah definitely a combination of both of those things uh tyser denmark uh another kid that uh, went to a couple different high schools, started at Roman Catholic, then he went to Imhotep for his senior year. Um, I see this guy is kind of boomer bust in a way. Uh, his film is very impressive. He's an, he's a talented kid. Uh, another kid that I thought could have been higher rated um, mm. has a lot of offers. So, I mean, his talent is not a secret, but I think he... I, I, could see him contribute uh maybe not immediately but i could see him as maybe a guy that we put in the slot yeah i mean he has the speed speed is something that you don't keep off the field unless you're mike yersich with amari evans but um he's uh if there was i don't want to like raise any red flags but if there was any name to keep an eye on with signing wednesday it would be tysir just because he's had some uh, academic issues but um if anything were to happen, I think it'd just be pushed back to February and he'd sign with Penn State in the late signing day as well. But he is working through some academic things that could have a small chance of him not signing. But I again, I think they'll get that one done as well. Like we said earlier, there shouldn't be much drama. But um, yeah, I think the easy comparison for this guy would be uh, Jahan Dotson. Just his shiftiness, you know, his uh, ability to move around in the like his short area quickness. Um, he's just really shifty. I. I, I could see a little bit of John in him. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be John Dotson, but that's his play style, in my opinion. Smooth runner, smoother out runner, just kind of makes everything look easy. That was, I I mean, people will say Bobby Ingram. I've never seen a guy like John at Penn State, like just that the guy that can make it look that easy. So if that's a similar thing that we're going to tie to Denmark, look out. Um. Another guy, uh, Malachi Williams. So I think him and Jalen Harvey off the edge, like they do so many similar things to each other, like the speed, the quickness off the edge, getting to the quarterback, like 
that's what I that's a that's what Malachi Williams is going to bring to this. Uh, and just watching his highlights, it just looks like the guy's having fun out there, and nobody on the opposing side is. Yeah, I mean, the only knock on him is his competition level. He didn't play great teams every week. Um, I think it was at Monsignor Bonner, which is right outside Philly. It's like Greater Philly area. Um, That's so probably they, why the teams had did not look happy. Yeah, they they have some they have some good teams out there, but most of the teams that they played were uh, below his caliber of talent. So, but he he definitely looks really good on on film. Um, he has a bit of a larger frame than Jalen. I think he's six three, but his thing is length. Like he has super long limbs. Um, so once he fills out, he might be able to hold a little bit more weight, maybe get up to close to 260, even though he's only 6'3 and change. Um, but that that's another one I'm really excited about. Like you said, he's really fast and twitchy. Um, that That's what you look for in an edge rusher in today's game. You know, you want to get off to the quarterback as quickly as possible, and Malachi Williams is someone that could help you do that. Yeah, no question. I mean, you don't have to look very far to see the impact of edge rushers. Uh, just look at Penn State's 2023 team. Uh, I just, I mean, best defense. I think we have the best defense in the country this year. Do you, where are you on that? Probably agree. I mean, they were in the top tier for sure. I kind of um, comparing very closely with uh, Michigan, Ohio State. You could put Alabama in there. Um, it's probably a team or two slipping my mind, but they're absolutely in that number one tier. Um, you can make an argument for a few of those teams, but as a Penn State fan, I'll go ahead and say we had the best <laughs> defense in college football. <laughs> Yeah, granted, I'm probably putting the blue and white glasses on, but I think it was just watching the Michigan-Ohio State game. I was like, uh, our defense was better than these two. And yeah. it just made it more painful. Um, um, all right, uh, next guy, uh, Egan Boyer. Um, another guy, great size, uh, but raw. And this is very common. With offensive line recruits, it is the toughest thing to recruit offensive linemen, especially tackles. So, because so many of these guys, they're not going to be ready the first year. So, how do you think he's going to translate over to um, to Penn State? Yeah, I think they went with similar molds for Boyer and then Garrett Sexton with their two tackle yep. guys in the class. Um, both pretty raw, both very large human beings. They have huge frames, but they need to fill out a little bit. I think Egan is, um, he might be, I think Sexton might have passed him with weight now. I think Sexton, like I said, about 270, maybe 275. Um, Egan Boyer is, I think he's listed 6'7", but he's he's very close to six foot eight. He's probably a hair off of 6'8". Um, but he's only 260, I believe. So he does have a lot of weight to add. Um, hopefully you can get a little bit more on him before he gets here. But uh, just like Sexton, I think he might need a year or two to develop. I don't think we'll see either of them burn red shirts or anything like that next year. But um, I think they hit on at least one of those guys. They both have a ton of potential. And I'd be pretty surprised if neither of them pan out to be good good tackles. Yeah, yeah. And are these two guys, are they coming in early? I'm actually not sure. I need to look into who's enrolling early. I do know they have about half the class coming in early. It's, I believe, yeah. the largest um, early enrollee group that Franklin has had at Penn State, but I need to look into the names particularly. Yeah. Yeah, it's always good, especially linemen, to get them in early, get them in the strength program early, get them in here for the winter. Um, mm -hmm. But not necessary either, but just nice to have. 
Um, another guy, DeAndre Cook. Um, his he's got a really good sp- uh, blend of speed and size. Uh, he's already two sixty. And is this a guy we're going to be playing a tackle or an end? Yep, him and uh, Xavier Gilliam are both like right in between as far as their height and weight, but they'll both eventually be the tackles here. Um, I guess they're both pretty similar frames as well. We'll talk about Gilliam then, but they're both right around that 6'3", 260 range. Um, I think Cook's 6'4", but uh, they, they, they could both be contributors eventually at D-tackle. Yeah, let's get right into Gilliam. Um, mm-hmm. Covers ground really quickly for a big guy. Um, and he impressed, watching his highlights, he impressed me in stopping the run as well as getting after the quarterback. Yeah, I would put him second on my list as far as most underrated guys in this class. Second or third, Gonzalez is in that two or three range too, but we're about to get to one, so. Um, oh, boy. I, I think you know who I'm leaning towards, but we'll see soon. All right, let's, uh, I, I'm going to, I'll do my guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Belgrave Shorter. Mm-hmm. Yep. I figured you were going to say that. Man, the guy's a hell of a high school football player, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. And Yeah. I mean, offense as well as defense. Like he, great two-way player. Um, you could make an argument that in high school he was just as good as John Mitchell, if if not even better. So, why do you think he got? Why do you think his ranking so low? I just don't get it. That's another one. I don't. I don't have an explanation for it. I mean, if you compare them, they're uh, almost clones of each other. They're the same height and weight, yeah. pretty much. I mean, they're teammates. They both made a ton of plays this year. Um, they played really well off each other, like you said. I, I don't know. I don't have an explanation for it, but I they they can both play right away at Penn State. I think they're um they're they're both really talented guys. I'm excited about that duo. Yeah, and it's not like Mitchell, like you said, like is, and I think Mitchell's a great prospect. It's not like he's so much. He's a way better prospect. Than Belgrave shorter, like when you watch both play, and he kind of overshadows him. I didn't see that at all. I, I don't know, but I'm no. not paid to evaluate uh, recruits. I guess <laughs> I, I think Belgrave shorter is a top 150 guy, top 200 guy. I mean, if I was giving him a ranking without even without blue and white glasses, like he's <laughs> he's a really good prospect. That's a that's a four star guy. Like I don't I don't know what they're looking at, but. I, and it's like none of the recruiting sites have bumped his rating up either. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting on it. But hey, like we said, that's that's not a problem. Once they get here, they'll 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 ball out. So Yep, and there are exceptions to the rule every year. Mm-hmm. All right. Um we'll stick to the secondary. We'll talk about Dewan Lane. So when I watch this kid play, he almost looks like a defensive end on the field. Um He's 6'3", he's almost 200 pounds, uh, and high school defensive end, I mean. Like, he, he's built. Like, mm-hmm. he's very tall. I could even see him maybe playing linebacker in college if we needed to. But he's very good at pass coverage, too. Yeah, that's another uh, potential fit down the line for that hybrid position that Tom Allen likes to run in his defense with the safety linebacker hybrid. I mean... There's been a little bit of talk about Lane moving down to linebacker eventually. I mean, he, maybe he doesn't have to, and he can just play right in the middle at that hybrid position. So he's, yeah, yeah I'm really excited about him. That's another one that uh, doesn't play the best competition. He just runs through everyone. Um, but that's what you'd expect from a prospect of his caliber. So, I mean, 
it's like Michigan with their easy schedule in the beginning of the year. You don't really know what you're going to get, but they're doing what they should against the easy competition. So, um, yeah, De- definitely another one I'm really excited to get into State College. Yeah, and a lot of the small school guys, you just don't know. You don't know mm-hmm. until they get here. Um, yeah. All right, let's uh, run it out of guys now. Let's get to Kenny Wosley. Um, his physicality as a corner really, really showed uh, showed out to me. Uh, another Evo Tep guy, uh, teammates with uh, Tizier Denmark. Uh, they just won the state championship. Um, like I said, I love his physicality and uh, just his just the way he gets after the the ball carriers. Yeah, I mean he's. 5'11", 180, so he's not like the biggest guy in the world, but he definitely gets after it. He he loves to make a good hit. Um, and if Penn State is ever in a pinch and they need a kicker, he he can hopefully step in and get that done for them. He kicked a 30-yard field goal in their state championship game, and it would have been, been good from quite a bit longer. So that was – I saw that on my Twitter feed. I saw a highlight of our defensive back commit kicking a field goal, and um, I thought it was fake just like scrolling – and seeing the title, but I looked and it was him and he drilled it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Wow. I did not know that. That is really good. That is really good information. That's so funny. I think he um, kicked for them all year. Um, I'd have to look into that, but he's, that wasn't his first kick. You could tell. So that was, yeah, definitely pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like 30 in high school is like 50 in the NFL. Like mm-hmm. you have to be like, they don't just trot out their kickers, anybody to kick those. Speaking of kickers, I'd be remiss to not mention Penn state just picked up a, a transfer kicker from Tulsa chase Meyer. Um, he um, had very good stats this year. I believe off the top of my head, he was 18 to 20 and 17, 17. Almost there. And he only missed one extra point this year. So definitely a good addition. And him, um, along with Kenneth Kenneth Wosley, will be giving Sanders a hate at competition. So that should be a that should be a tense battle. Uh, Kari Jackson, I believe this is. No, we still have a couple others. Uh, Kari Jackson. Um, When I watched him, like. He hits very, 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 very hard. (laughs) <laughs> and the way he's able to cover ground, um, you know, relatively quickly, he has better lateral movement than I expected. Mm-hmm. And I saw a little bit of Kobe King in him. Yeah, he's like you said, Kobe King. He's probably another box guy along with Specco for Penn State. Um, maybe they could play him at will. I mean, he has the frame for it if he does fill out a little bit. I believe he's about 6'2". So, but he was injured, I'm pretty sure, for the entirety of his senior year. So he was uh, he was sidelined. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see if he made any progress or anything. So that's definitely a guy that's still up in the air um, to be determined as to how much he could contribute. But I wouldn't expect him to be a name to know next year or anything. I mean, he still needs to rehab from that injury. I think it was an ACL, which is never fun. Um, but I mean, it's not like it's 1990 anymore. You can come back from an ACL injury and be fine. Um, but I yeah, I I think he'll be on the on the back burner for a bit, but he'll, he'll be there working. So we'll see if he can come back from that and eventually contribute. Yep. Yep. And speaking of a guy who was injured this year, uh, Josiah Brown, uh, out of New York, one of the fastest guys in the class. Um, and I've, I felt like last season we really needed some speed 
at receiver. Um, Omari Evans was there, but um, we just didn't play him. I digress. Um, Josiah Brown, he is that speed guy. Um, another guy that I think is a little underrated, probably because he got hurt. Uh, mm. But but really like this kid. I think he's going to be uh, not an immediate impact guy because he's still rehabbing an injury. Uh, but he's he's going to play. Uh, I could see him playing after next year. Yeah, I I think it was all three for him: ACL, MCL, and meniscus. So he's Oof. he's got some time to to work on that. Um, I he did play some of this year. I want to say the majority of it. Um, but I could be wrong on that. Um, he 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 showed what he can do though when he was healthy. He's like you said, a super fast guy. He's great in space. Um, probably a slot guy at Penn State. It's another one that kind of plays with Jahan Dawson's play style, similar to Tysir Denmark. I would say. Um, Ty Sear probably has better short area quickness and Josiah Brown is better with the mm-hmm. long strides. Like he ran track also. Um, so I, like you said, he could definitely contribute, but probably not next year coming off a pretty brutal injury, but he could be a pretty, pretty fun guy to watch in a couple of years. Got an ACL MCL meniscus. Oof. Not fun. No, no. Gosh. All right, so we are down to the last guy, last but not least, uh, Mr. Caleb Brewer. Uh, great name, first of all. Uh, played a few different positions in high school. Played on the defensive line. Played, I believe he played tight end as mm-hmm. well. And he's going to be, uh, according to 24-7 sports, he's going to be playing uh, offensive tackles. So what do you, uh, I mean, the first thing that jumps out to me is his versatility. Uh, what, what do you like about Mr. Brewer? Yeah, anytime you see a jumbo athlete that's playing multiple positions like that, similar to Liam Andrews, they're going to have that athleticism. I mean, he's playing tight end at like 270, 280 pounds, so he, he can move for his size. Um, you said offensive tackle. I do think even though he's listed as a tackle, he'll be an interior lineman for Penn State, whether that's offense or defense. Um, still to be determined, but he should be starting out at guard. Um, I personally would really like to see him at D-tackle. I think that's where he could really excel. But again, similar to Lenny Andrews, I think he could be good on either side of the ball. Um, so I guess we'll see. Very good. All right. So that is everybody. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Dylan. Oh, who will be the best player in this class? Are we talking down the line when they get to the NFL draft? Yep. Yep. Down the line. Let me think for one minute. Uh this seems cliche because you called him your favorite player, but Liam Andrews, I could definitely see ending up a super high draft pick and the Penn State legend. So we'll go with Liam. Penn State legend. I, I'm i good with that because he's my pick too. Uh, last yeah. year, I said Tony Rojas, and I feel good about that pick. I still feel good after one year that Tony Rojas is going to be the best player in the class. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel good about Liam Andrews. And, but, you know, there's just a bunch of guys I feel really good about. like. Like I said, I think Gronk is going to be the starting quarterback at some point here. And I didn't necessarily, I didn't really say that and, and no disrespect to him. I didn't say that about Jackson Smolik. I mean, and like I said, he, he may end up being the starting down the line, but like Gronk Meyer, I just, I, I like, I just really like this kid. And he has the traits. He does. He does. And I could really see a world. And who knows with the transfer portal and everything, who, who the guy's going to be in 2025. But I could really see him taking the reins from from Drew. Um, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, so outside of Liam Andrews, who's going to be the best player in the in the in the uh, last? Uh, he's he's the highest rated for a reason. I'll go with Luke Reynolds. <laughs> Luke Reynolds. Um, I mean, he's a five star on a couple sites. I think that his film backs it up. His productivity backs it up. And uh, like I said earlier, he'll be a guy that I think plays from day one. So he'll have plenty of opportunity to prove himself. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and outside of Reynolds, because you did mention him, uh, who's going to who will be the early contributors next year? Early contributors. I think Antoine Belgrave shorter and John Mitchell, that duo for Mandarin. I think they'll both play early. Um, I think for a little bit. I mean, one of their wide receivers, I have a feeling that Ty Sear could end up maybe playing a little bit earlier than a lot of people thought. There's always one or two names that kind of pop out of nowhere in those spring practice reports like, hey, this guy's running with the ones, he's running with the twos. Yep. And like Abdul Carter, I they they actually kept him under wraps, and then he ended up um, starting. I think in that Purdue game, he he didn't start, but he came in early, and then we saw like two snaps, and he got ejected. But, <laughs> I mean, there's some of these guys just pop out of nowhere. I think Tysir could be possibly in that mold. I could see that because yeah, like Abdul wasn't like Micah coming in where everybody knew Micah's going to play right away. Mm-hmm. But and uh, yeah, we actually have a fan question about Mister Grunk. Uh, do you guys think Grunk has a legit shot of getting the backup role since he's been rolling early? And I think we kind of answered that. Yeah, I mean, I think he's certainly in contention. And yeah. if if he gets it, it doesn't mean Bo won't play. Like, I think watching Kotal Nicky's offense, they're going to find ways to get Bo, Bo involved uh, because he is a tremendous athlete. But yeah, I think Grunk definitely has a chance to to be the backup next year. Yeah, I mean, when you're referring to Bo, that's a very different style of quarterback. Um, even from Grunkemeyer, I'd say he's closer to Drew Aller's play style than Bo. Um, so, I yeah, Bo would still be able to find the field, um, even as a um, technical third string, I guess, if we were to play out that situation. But, yeah, I'd, I would say it's probably more likely that he lands as the second string than third or fourth next year. Maybe Bo could be the starting lion, a la Tommy Stevens. The position's always uh, always up for grabs, right? <laughs> Come back right. into the Kotonicki offense. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is from Einstein Von Braun. I'm going to do the Mr. Mister, not quite like Corey does. Mr. Mister. Okay. <laughs> All right. Would you rather have the big name in the portal who may have underperformed at their previous school but has major potential or the smaller school kid who doesn't have the name recognition recognition and succeeded against lesser competition, but has shown he wants to work and compete. I, I it's, it's really a case by case basis. I mean, it depends how small of a school you're talking about. I mean, there's still a huge jump between FCS and maybe a lower level FBS school, but if you can find like a combination of that, like someone who has a ton of potential, they have at least some level of productivity. That's what I know Penn State in particular looks for, at least a little bit of productivity, like maybe Malik McLean. Um, if you had to pick one or the other straight up, I'd probably go with the smaller school kid. Um, me personally, who has the uh, the stats to back it up, I would probably lean that way. Um I'm envisioning a guy like Colin Lacey in the portal this year. 
the uh, I think South Alabama was the school, the receiver. I mean, he was still rated as the number one receiver in the portal by on three. One of those one of those recruiting sites had him as the number one receiver, despite being from South Alabama. I don't think the school matters uh, matters too much. I mean, you got to take that into account, but that's probably the way I would mean. I think it kind of depends on the position because receiver you could find good receivers pretty much anywhere um guys that like i'm not saying you could find randy moss anywhere um but like you could find good receivers you could find good athletes pretty much anywhere and they land at a smaller school for one reason or another it could have been that they went to a small high school that didn't really um give them a chance to um um you know send film to the bigger to uh bigger uh uh big 10 sec schools things like that could be that they just didn't go to camps and then in in today's day and age you really get hurt by not camping and so there are a million reasons why that they um receivers cornerbacks kind of fall through the dra- fall through the cracks um uh, i think linemen are a little different like a lot of the time linemen I really, I, I, I think you got to be careful with recruiting smaller school linemen because it's just a completely different game up front when you get to the Big Ten than it is in in a smaller school, even a even the MAC conference. Like you're just not going against the same competition, and it could be a complete culture shock. So, Alan Aaron will be a very good case study for this topic. He he, he will he will and. He's going to have a chance to come in and compete, but like we saw Eric Wilson and it didn't necessarily work out that great with Eric Wilson. And um, doesn't mean that it's not going to work out for um, Mr. Heron, but it's got to, that, that's kind of how I would approach it. Uh, so to answer your question, just look for the most talented guy. And I know that's easier said than done, but you could find real talent at smaller schools. And um, you could find some not great talent, and you could also find some guys at uh, bigger schools who may have more recognition that just kind of flamed out for one reason or another. Um, and you can make them into something. So it, it's hard. It's hard to say. Uh, speaking of the portal, we would be remiss if we went through this whole episode and didn't mention one Julian Fleming. So Julian Fleming has been crystal ball to Penn State. Dylan, is Julian <laughs> Fleming coming to Penn State finally? Uh, short answer, I think so. But <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a player yet to wear Penn State threads um, garner this much attention from this fan base. Like even throughout his years playing at Ohio State, I still had the occasional is Julian Fleming going to transfer here DM like. And obviously, when he went in the portal, everyone was freaking out. And then he, uh, word got out he visited, and then the the predictions have started to roll in. I I I think this thing's wrapped up. Um, his birthday is tomorrow, so I don't know anything, but that could be a potential announcement date. Um, I I would assume this is wrapped up before Christmas, so give it a week at most. Um, in my opinion, but again, I don't have anything like concrete on this, but. I do believe it is wrapped up. So. Birthdays tomorrow. That's some big J journalism right there, Dylan. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, from what it seems like, and again, I have no insider knowledge. Um, I 
think he comes here. Uh, just reading the crystal balls. Um, you know, it was a Penn State Ohio State battle uh, for him. Unfortunately, went to Ohio State. Has had a good career at Ohio mm-hmm. State. He was just behind some awesome receivers like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Marvin Harrison Jr. And yeah, it could be tough to find the field in, at 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 Ohio State when you're behind those guys. Uh, but he is better than anybody we have right now. Um, I mean, he did start multiple years for the best receiver room in America. I think I can say that without any uh, any disagreement. I that they have the best receiver room in America almost every year. And when he can start multiple years in there, I think you would take the opportunity to take that guy. I was a little bit against it when he got in the portal. I had some people texting me, you know, is he is Penn State gonna look into him? Are they gonna look after him? And my answer originally was I don't think so. But I mean they started pursuing him. He took the visit and then I kind of like looked into it a little more. I'm like, yeah, I might just be butthurt about him not coming. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he he would be a good addition. I I think he'd probably start next year. He he would start next year. Um, uh, yeah. bearing any injuries or any unfortunate things happening, but yeah, I I think that'd be a really good addition if it does come to fruition. And I think he brings, on top of what he brings on the field, and he is he is a very good he is a very good receiver. He blocks well. Yes, and I think he just he he knows how. To be, he, he knows how to carry himself. He, I think he'll embrace a leadership role. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to really embrace being a number one because he's never had the opportunity to be a number one before. And I think he could really flourish here. And I, so I was, I, I was probably one of those people that when I saw Fleming, I was like, ooh, Fleming. <laughs> and it looks like he's coming here now. It doesn't look like the Nebraska thing's going to work out. Kyle McCord went to Syracuse, so that package deal isn't happening at Nebraska. Um, and yeah, it looks like he's coming. Uh, I hope. I hope. Um, is there anybody else in the portal we should be watching right now? Uh, Colby Young, the Miami receiver, he just took a visit to Penn State. The obvious connection there is. Lackawanna before he was at Miami he was at the Lackawanna Junior College in Scranton that Penn State has pulled guys like Jaya Brown Jaquan Brisker from so that's the obvious connection but um he is also from New York I think Bing Binghamton um so he's a regional guy you know he's been around I'm sure he's heard his fair share of uh Penn State comments from people growing up and all that so um he visited this past weekend for an official visit um, he also visited Georgia before Penn State, so we are not alone here in the Colby Young sweepstakes, but I think he's probably a guy that mm, I don't want to make any like definitive statements, but he I'd I'd keep an eye on him. I I think he could end up here for sure. Yeah, stuff like this is always huge to get a guy for an official visit. And we all know the Lackawanna Penn State connection. Uh Mark Duda and James Franklin, longtime friends. Uh Lackawanna College, it's actually about five minutes away from my apartment. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, it's just been one, a pipeline. Uh, one quick question for you guys. Would you rather get Green Jr. from North Carolina or Colby Young from Miami? Yeah, we have a fair question. Would you rather get Andre Green um, or would you rather get Colby Young? Uh, for me, it's pretty easy, but what do you think, Dylan? I'd, I'd go with Colby Young. I mean, they both have the size, but Colby has a little bit more. They both have production, but Colby has a lot more. Um, I, that's the main main two comparisons that are pretty easy going in Colby Young's favor. So he's 
six foot five. He has ten touchdowns over the last two years. I mean, I, what's not to like? I would I would love to add him, but also I'm gonna throw in why not both? Um, just leave yeah. it. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I'm kind of the poor K Nolos dose too. Um, because yeah, Andre Green, I would take Kobe Young over him if it's if it's a one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um but um yeah, why not both? Because Andre Green, like I said, there there's always a million reasons why somebody may not have been as productive at a place as you would expect it. I remember Andre Green from the recruiting trail. Uh he was a guy Penn State did really, really want. And I think they want him again and he was here not this past week and the weekend before so those are two guys that uh pet state's heavily involved with as well as julian fleming uh and the amount of size they'll bring to the group too like these are all none of these guys are small so yeah. i mean i'd prefer young but like don't get it twisted i would love to have andre green as well and i think him being a bit younger he'll be a redshirt sophomore next year so i mean sophomore eligibility even though he's a third year guy that could provide a little bit more flexibility to take a guy like him. Um, I wanted to pull up my text with a friend I have that covers North Carolina football. I just asked like why he was leaving or just any, any reason as to why he might've been departing. And he just said, he's really good. I don't know why UNC didn't use him quote. So I, I, (laughs) that seems to be the kind of um, consensus among the UNC fan base. Like they're pretty upset that they didn't use him. It seems like an Amari Evans um, at UNC in a different in a different style of receiver, but someone that they should have used a lot more and uh, wants to go elsewhere and start over. And maybe the new opportunity, along with coaches playing him more, could be uh, a star in the making. Hey, let's make him a star right here in Happy Valley. I'm all good with that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we covered everything we needed to cover, Dylan. So. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, Corey and I both thank you. Corey, by the way, for everybody watching, he produced this. So big thank you to Corey getting through everything. He is uh, working behind the scenes today. Um, so thank you to Corey. Dylan, uh, thank you very much. Do you have anything to plug? Um, I, Yeah, follow me on Instagram, PSU Dylan. That's my uh, main platform. So uh, kind of a dead period right now, but I'll have some content out hopefully at the bowl game. I'll be attending that, so... Hopefully, oh, be able to nice. get some unique content out for down from Atlanta. So, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no problem. When do you leave? Uh, the 29th, uh, game day eve, I guess. So, just Friday through Sunday. So, going up with my dad, that'll be pretty exciting. Good, that's awesome. Always good to go with your dad. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you guys know the drill with us. Follow us at State Media PSU uh, on YouTube. Uh, click that subscribe button. Uh, follow us on Twitter at HardcorePSUFB. Follow us on Instagram uh, at HardcorePSUFB. We are we catch this podcast on everywhere the podcasts are found. And yeah, so if I think that's everything for me, uh, Dylan again, so nice to have you on. And uh, for PSU Dylan, I'm Sean Kane, and I hope you all have a great night. Bye, everybody. <laughs>